0: Heartfelt gratitude is the title of this message. In God's world, in the kingdom, nothing ever happens by chance. There's no such thing as luck. God tells us in Psalms that the righteous person's footsteps are ordered by the Lord. Everything fits into his plan. And sometimes that plan, it's hard for us to wrap our minds around. But crossroads just didn't happen. God called us here, and he, he orchestrated this. He put all of this together. And we were, we, when God founded this church, it was founded on three heartfelt responses to God's great love for us. Here's the first two that we've already covered. I'm going to look at the third one this morning. The love of Christ and his gospel of grace calls for a personal, free, and unconventional decision. Each of us have to decide on our own whether we're going to have anything to do with God or not. It's it's all on you. Nobody forces you. Nobody puts a gun to your head or makes you do this. It's it's all up to you individually whether you decide to follow Christ or not. And and that's what I always talk about getting in the boat with Jesus, that we have to do that, and it's a decision that we all make. Secondly, our response to the love of, of Jesus demands trust. It comes down to the question I asked last week, do you really love Jesus? Do you love him enough to trust him? with your life and with your time, with your talents and your treasures. This third characteristic is of our response to the gratuitous intervention of Jesus in our lives is heartfelt gratitude that just pours out of us, actually. In old Henry's famous short story, The Gift of the Magi, this young wife has only $1.87 to buy her husband a gift, and Christmas is the next day. Impulsively, she decides to sell her long, thick hair to buy him a chain for this treasured gold watch. And at the same moment, he's selling the watch to buy his present for her, special combs for her beautiful hair. Have you ever done such an extravagant thing spontaneously? Have you gone off and emptied the piggy bank because a certain gift was perfect for someone you cherished and adored? Here's a heartfelt story from Mark Chapter 14, verses 3 through 9. Meanwhile, Jesus was in Bethany at the home of Simon, a man who had leprosy. During supper, a woman came in with a beautiful jar of expensive perfume. She broke the seal and poured the perfume over his head. Some of those at the table were indignant. Why was this expensive perfume wasted, they asked. She could have sold it for a small fortune and given the money to the poor, and they scolded her harshly. But Jesus replied, leave her alone. Why berate her for doing such a good thing to me? You will always have the poor among you, and you can have, you can help them whenever you want to. But I will not be here with you much longer. She has done what she could and has anointed my body for burial ahead of time. I assure you, whenever the good news is preached throughout the world, this woman's deed will be talked about in her memory. This was an impulsive lovely gesture of gratitude. By human reckoning and those around that table, it was foolish. Yet Jesus was deeply moved. And he wanted this woman's story told and retold and retold around the world for all time, actually. This incident, to me, represents another way in which Jesus recognized the unique perspective, gifts, and actions of women. We in America, we have a different view different view of women and how we line up as far as being equals and those kind of things. But when this was written in this part of the world, men were up here and women were down here. They were pretty much property. And in some places, you could beat them or kill them and get away with it. That's bizarre to us. For us, our American thinking mind, it's hard for us to grasp that. And heaven forbid, even if you mention the Muslim world, sometimes you get death threats. But in that world, it's pretty much the same way. Women aren't on the same plane as men. They are down here somewhere. You can beat them if you want or whatever and get, get away with it, so to speak. Well, Jesus brings women up to a level that they're equal, in a sense, with men. That's the point, and that's what he does with Mary. He previously pointed out the costly discipleship of a widow who gave all she had in Mark 12. Now he presents a woman's extravagant display of love for her Lord. Verse 3 A woman came with an alabaster jar, very costly ointment of nard, and she broke open the jar and pointed the ointment on his head. This Mary was probably Mary, the sister of Martha and Lazarus who lived in Bethany. An alabaster jar was a beautiful and expensive vase carved from translucent gypsum. Ointment of nard was a fragrant ointment imported imported from the mountains of India. This was pure and genuine ointment, thus, very costly. The jar was broken. It was poured over Jesus' head. It was a common custom in some Jewish homes when you went for a meal that the honored guest was anointed with oil, but it wasn't this expensive kind. Such an anointing with expensive oil and pouring on the head as well. As the feet pictured a royal messianic anointing, and that's what she was doing there. She gave this. A pint of this perfume was worth a year's wages, which is 300 denarii. It reminds me of Haiti, the average Haitian earns $300 a year. But this, this is what was paid for this, and she, she poured it over Christ. Verse 5 says it could have been sold for more than a year's wages and the money given to the poor. I'm amazed at the disciples because they're, they're like us in the sense. They haven't arrived yet to a degree. And here are these disciples sitting around the table, and they're giving Jesus a hard time for this woman wasting that, but in Mark 14, this is the first time in this chapter that the disciples will fail Jesus. Do you think that bummed him out a little bit? That these guys were giving him a hard time for what the, she did to him, that she was honoring him, worshiping him, which what they should have been done instead of sitting around complaining. Judas will betray Christ in chapter 14, 10. The disciples will deny that they, ever, they would ever desert Jesus in the 19, verse 19 and 31, the disciples will fall asleep three times when they should have been watching and praying with Christ. In verses 37 through 41, all the disciples will desert Jesus in 48 and 50. And Peter will deny three times that he even knows Christ. 66 through 72. It's the thing of betrayal when you're betrayed by somebody that's really close to you. You just, you just can't hardly deal with it. You give him your heart. You give him your life, and boy, they they smashed it. One of the things I think about with Peter's denial, it said that when he denied him the third time, and the rooster clothed, he looked in the Pilate's hall where Christ was on trial, and their eyes locked. I can't imagine the feeling, the emotion in that Peter knowing what he'd done and. Jesus continuing to, to love him. The disciples felt moral outrage at the loss of resources for the poor. How dare her do that when we could have used this money? But here's the problem with Judas in his heart. It wasn't interested in the poor. He was interested in getting his hands on the money. He was greedy. Verse 7 says, For you always have the poor with you, and you can show kindness to them whenever you wish, but you will not always have me. This was kind of an anointing for his burial that he knew what would come. And as far as Jesus teaching about the poor, the Bible, the New Testament is full of it. Jesus was affirming Mary's unselfish act of worship. The essence of worshiping Christ is to regard him with utmost love, respect, and devotion, as well as being able to sacrifice anything we have that is precious for him. Everything we do for Christ always comes back to worship. We have to see it as the ultimate priority in our life, that it rises above everything else, bar none. It's first to worship Christ because as we act out our lives and do things for him, this worship comes out of us and it makes things make sense. That's why when we take communion... If an unbeliever takes communion, it has no meaning. It's not the body and the blood of Christ for them. That's why we always. That's why Paul said that you've got to examine yourself, and only believers should take it. Yeah, we have a significant social responsibility to the poor. But all the efforts to feed hungry people or popu- sick populations, we must not dismiss or ignore the priority of worship. Think about this. A hundred bowls of rice given to refugees do not cover for an empty heart for God. As the person does that with an empty heart for God. A thousand inoculations against disease do not provide peace to a soul resisting God. A multi-digit check written to charity does not ransom a person who regards God as irrelevant or non-essential. Worship of God precedes all acts of love and gives them meaning and purpose. As we open our heart to God, God will make our acts of charity pure joy for you the giver it's unexplainable till you have done it right now Dustin and Alex and Sarah they're on the remote part of Haiti they're on the western peninsula last year when they went they did saw 500 patients in a week and did 20 surgeries on the kitchen table that mission house when they do that, it, it's not for them to come back and us pray to them up front and say, look what great folks they are. They're doing it out of worship, and it, it makes that much more sense when they, when they do that. And next week when we go to Jock Mel and Fennel's kids, we're up on that mountain, we're doing those things. It's an act of worship. When we were in Russia, Diana was on the street you uh, know a city about 20 miles south of the center of Moscow because, by the name of Jokovsky, and he was passing out Bibles on the street. And here's these four or five elderly men. They had suits on, but they had all their old war medals pinned on their suits, and, and they lined up and, and they saluted her. She was doing that as an act of worship. That's when the joy comes in when you do it with the right attitude. Bar none, I've seen a lot of different things in other parts of the world but there was one thing that touched me more than anything else. When we were in Russia, we went to a, like a woman's shelter. It was an old house, and an old building, dilapidated, cold. And here was about 20 or 30 women sitting out there in threadbare dresses, some of them barefooted, holy socks. Hardly any of them had any decent shoes to wear. So we came there, and we shared the gospel, and we gave them Bibles. But then we, with stuff that we brought, we would always give them gifts, and this really overwhelmed me because of all that we have. And these ladies had nothing. And this guy from up north that went with us, he had brought a bunch of the big bars of ivory soap. He handed that soap out to them women, and they, they, they held it to their chest. They smelled it. It, it, was, it was almost too much for me. Man, what's soap mean to us? But it was in that act of worship that joy came because through the power and the love of Christ that even something as simple as an ivory bar of soap brought them joy. And that's what was in Mary's heart when she did this. In verse 9, Jesus said, I, Truly I tell you, wherever the good news is proclaimed in the whole world, what she has done will be told in remembrance of her. Mary's unselfish act would be remembered forever. Here it is, 2015, and what are we doing here in this place this morning? We're remembering this story, remembering Mary's act of devotion and gratitude. All four Gospels record Mary's example of devotion. Three important lessons remind us how we should love the Lord and not repress those who do good works. Jesus said this, leave her alone. We must not disregard and depreciate someone else's loving act of service just because it's not our style of worship. Sometimes envy, ignorance, or hardness of heart keep us from seeing the value of showing honor and praise to Christ. Not everybody understands going out of the country on a mission trip, and I understand that. But those that would question that, what do they say? We need to help people right here in Sullivan County. Well, you know what? Every Monday night, you can go down to the free store or Friday morning and help hand out groceries. There you go. Do you do that? Will you do that? November 14th, Revive Sullivan. We're going to meet here at 7 for prayer and then have breakfast and then go out in teams and love on people in this community. There's your opportunity. So, those of you who say, we shouldn't go anywhere, that's not valid to me. We should go where God wants us to do, but that's our service. Somebody else's service is different. We shouldn't bad mouth and point fingers, actually. Jesus said she has performed a good service. Mary's act was courageous and sacrificial. Christ welcomed her and regarded her efforts. We, we can't be so practical on our stewardship, to realize that we criticize others for creative ways to do ministry. Number three, Jesus said, she has done what she could. She didn't just talk about it. There are tons of people within the kingdom. Talk about doing things and think about doing things. But the fact is, God blesses the one who gets off the stool and gets off their chair and goes out and does it. And that's what Mary did, and that's, that's why he's praising her. Man, oh, man, you can't just sit in a chair. We had that lesson in men's group on Wednesday morning. you got to get out. You, God, God doesn't bless you sitting in a chair so much as he does when you're on your feet walking toward that thing that he has for you to do. John 14... Obviously, Jesus is saying there is a real place for the impulsive, for the spontaneous, the lavish, impractical, heroic, and the extraordinary, the unrestrained and the incalculable bursts of generosity that cry cry out, it is right to give you thanks and praise. This might seem off the wall, it cuts against the grain, it's something we've never done before, but as we do it for Christ and as he leads us, it's right for us to give him thanks and praise. Our gratitude to Jesus for the most part, our unsung service is to those around us. Matthew 25 40 says, In truth, I tell you, insofar as you did this to one of the least of these brothers of mine, you did it to me. Jesus is no longer visibly among us. We minister to him in minister, ministering to the flawed creatures within reach. Each encounter with a brother or sister is a mysterious encounter with Jesus himself. In the upper room, the man, like us all in all things, but ungratefulness, spelled out the game plan for gratitude. Love one another as I have loved you. To Peter on the beach along the shore of the Sea of Galilee, or Tiberias, he said, if you love me, Simon, son of John, tend my sheep. It's funny what we, how we paint how we should be in the church Quite simply, our deep gratitude to Christ is manifested neither in being chaste, honest, sober, and respectable, nor in church-going, Bible-toting, and psalm-giving, but in our deep and delicate respect for one another. For hurting, flawed people all around, around us. Excuse me. This one of my favorite clips is from an old movie called The War. It illustrates this completely as a father reaches out message is really encapsulated in this clip. If you want to say that, go ahead, Allie. Thank you. Let's say we go get your mom and your sister some cotton candy. All right. Stay right there. Can I get two, please? Get on with your business. I guess this is all my fault. I can't control myself, I expect you to. I hope you know them the kids that just beat me up. I know who they are. Sir. Well then why'd you just give them mom and lydia's cotton candy? Because it looked like they hadn't been given nothing in a long time. <laughs> Looks like nothing's been given to them for a long time. You know anybody like that? You know people's never experienced love. And they get, wouldn't have a clue what the love of Christ was like until you and I step into their world and show it to them. Our gratitude for what Christ has done for you and I should flow out of us in heartfelt gratitude unto others, especially to those who haven't been given anything for a long time. Do you see the faces of those kids? They didn't know what to think, they never experienced that before. They've never had anybody come to them. And I'll guarantee you on November 14th, there'll be people like that, that God will lead you into their life, that they've never had anybody say, can I pray for you about something? Is there anything we can do for you? And then uh, his son reacted like a lot of times we would. He reacted like the disciples. Man, didn't you see them? The guys that just beat me up. Well, it looked like they hadn't been given anything for a long time. We are called to forgive others because of our gratitude. Matthew 5, Jesus was explicit in his Sermon on the Mount, verses 23 and 24. If you are bringing your offering to the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your offering there before the altar. Go and be reconciled with your brother first and then come back and present your offering. The ministry of evangelism is an extraordinary opportunity of showing gratitude to Jesus by passing on his gospel of grace to others. However, the conversion by concussion method, maybe you've had people do that. Boy, when they're whacking you on the head with that Bible telling you how lousy you are that you're going to end up in a burning hell, it kind of takes the compassion out of it is what I'm saying. He betrays a basic disrespect for the dignity of others and is utterly alien to the gospel, imperative to bear witness. And Revive Sullivan, that's not what they taught us to do. You go into somebody's life and you love them and you let the Holy Spirit open the door. You don't try to force it open. To evangelize a person is to say to him or her, you too are loved by God, by the Lord Jesus Christ. In the Lord Jesus Christ. And not only to say it, but to really think it and relate it to that man or woman so they can sense it. It comes out in your persona, in your voice as you reach out to people. They can sense that. This is what it means to announce the good news, but that becomes possible only by offering the person your friendship a friendship that is real, unselfish, without condescension, full of confidence and profound esteem. This is how we show heartfelt gratitude to Christ for what he has done and continues to do for you and I. And I know there's some anxiousness that enters in our hearts when, we, when the Holy Spirit is urging us to talk to somebody about him. But I, I think that's one of the greatest things about Revive. You're with a team of people. You're not out there on your own. Mary's story about her gratitude to Jesus is our example. Our gratitude should come out in our worship. It should be acted out in our lives by the way that we treat each other within the context of the body. Loving people, refusing to gossip. (laughs) It should flow out of us onto those who haven't been given anything for a long time, who are around us every day. And as we tell others about the gospel, the good news of Christ and his love, this also should be an outpouring of our heartfelt gratitude to God. Would you stand with me this morning? I'm I'm going to... We don't do this often, but I'm going to have you pray this prayer with me out loud because it's for all of us. Would you pray this with me? Thank you, Lord, for twisting your lips in love to accommodate my sinful self. Thank you, Lord, for judging me not by my shabby good deeds, but by your love that is your great gift to me unconditionally thank you Lord for your unbearable forgiveness and infinite patience with me thank you Lord for my brothers and sisters in the body who have greater gifts than mine thank you Lord for the honesty to truthfully acknowledge and admit that I am a flawed creature and when the final curtain falls and you summon me home may my last whispered words on earth be the heartfelt cry thank you Lord Lord we love you and that's our prayer this morning And we lift it up as our sacrifice of praise to you. And Lord, as you have spoken to all of our hearts this morning, may we just be obedient and do what you've asked us to do. Thanks, God, for loving us. I ask these things in your name. Amen.